right. Uh, my name is Ian. I'm family ministry pastor here. It's a joy to be with you guys this morning. As Michael said, we're starting a new series. It's called Genesis uh, Beginnings. Uh, that's actually what Genesis means. Uh, so I'll give you one guess as to where we're starting this morning. What book we're starting? Come on, say it. Genesis. Yeah. How funny would it be if we're like, uh, no, we're actually in Leviticus. Uh, no. Uh, we're so excited for this series, excited to dive into Genesis with you guys. And just to give you a little taste of what to expect throughout the year too, uh, we're actually doing Genesis this semester and then next semester we're jumping into Revelation. And so, uh, yeah, we're going to have a ton of fun this year. Uh, there's going to be some questions that you have that we will answer. There's going to be some questions you have that we probably won't answer. Uh, there's going to be some things that we have to talk through that are just hard conversations to have. Uh, but we're excited for it. We're excited to walk through uh, these two books. As we start the school year here in the beginning, we're going to end the school year uh, with the end of all time here on earth and with ending with Jesus. And so we're excited for uh, this school year and walking through these texts with you guys. Uh, but we also know that there is a lot of like either misconceptions or preconceptions about Genesis and Revelation, but we're going to dial in specifically with Genesis now. Uh, there's a lot of misconceptions or preconceptions to Genesis. Uh, there's a lot of things that people are coming in with their opinions and thoughts on how old is the earth? How did God create? Was it a little literal 24 hours? Is it new? Is it old? There's going to be a lot of questions that you guys have. There's going to be a lot of ideas that you guys are coming into. And there's a temptation to read your ideas and read your opinions into the text. And there's a lot of temptation to do that. And it's fine to have your own opinions. It's fine to have your own thoughts. But here's what, here's what I want for us to do over the course of this series. Is I want us to come in and I want us to just kind of open-handedly have our thoughts, have our opinions and say, God, what do you actually say? Like, what does your word say about this? What does your word say about these things that I kind of already have ideas about, but I want to know what you have to say. Because we're not going to answer everything. We'll have equipping podcasts to help answer some questions and dive into deeper questions. Uh, we're not going to be able to answer every question you have on stage. Dive into those with your connection group if you want. And we honestly might make you a little upset from time to time uh, with what we say. That's fine. You can email Jake. He's still on sabbatical. I'm sure he'd love to come back to all those emails. So uh, if you have complaints, just email him. Uh, he probably won't read it. Uh, but I'm just kidding. He, uh, he might. He might. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of things that happen. Here's what I want you to know, that this, this isn't science class. This is church, right? Can we all agree to that? This, this isn't a textbook. This is a Bible. This isn't primarily a book to help you win arguments with your relatives at Thanksgiving, right? This is a book from God about God so that we can know God. And so as we dive in, that is where we're starting, okay? We're not trying to just equip you guys with best arguments. We're trying to equip you guys with God's word so that you can know him, so that you can love him, and so that you can obey him. So that's what we want to do. That's kind of the background as we dive in to Genesis and Revelation this school year. That's where we want to start, all in the same field of, man, this is God's word to us, for us, so that we can know him. And so that's where we're going to start in Genesis. We're going to start, obviously, in Genesis chapter 1. Um, it's not very hard to find. I'm sure you can find it pretty quick. Uh, it should be on page 1. If it's not, you might need a new Bible. Um, but as you're turning uh, the long ways to page 1, have you ever felt like your life is a little chaotic? 
a little more chaotic than maybe you want to be. There's just stuff going on. Maybe some of you guys, as uh, you're starting to watch college football and you're an Iowa fan and you're realizing how bad the offense is, you're like, this year's going to be tough, right? Uh, the start of the school year is always a little rough and chaotic in my family. Uh, my wife's a school teacher, uh, so some of you guys know what that's like. Kids are coming back to school, trying to get back into the rhythms and routine of things. Here at church, we've just kicked off a new school year. So we got all of those uh, moving parts kind of coming into play. It's been a chaotic couple weeks with work stuff. We have a kindergartner for the first time. Uh, and so that means this is the first time that she's gone every single day without a rest time. And so she's chaos. Uh, and then we just have two more toddlers to throw on top of that. And so like our life and world is a little chaotic right now. And I bet you can say similar things about your life. Uh, maybe it's work stuff, maybe it's family life, maybe there's some family drama going on and it's just a little chaotic right now. Maybe you just got unemployed and you're trying to figure out, man, what am I going to do with my life? Maybe you're looking at the economy and worried about your 401k and you're like, man, what's going to happen here? And there's chaos all around us in our own life. And then we, that's just the external chaos. Like there's also internal chaos going on. Like, you have those worries about tomorrow, the worries about your future, the worries about your family. And so even if you got to the point where you could shut out the external chaos, you still have the internal chaos that you're playing through all the time. And so the question is like, what do we do with the chaos in our life? What do we do with it? What do we do with that chaos? Where do we run to try and find order for the chaos that we have? Because chaos isn't a new thing. Uh, it is not a unique emotion that you feel. It is not a unique thing to you in our time. We actually see that the people that God is writing to here in Genesis, they're in the midst of chaos themselves. As we open Genesis, it's sometimes easy to forget that this wasn't written to Adam and Eve. Like this wasn't written as God is creating everything at the beginning. This is written to the Hebrew people. This is written to them as they've exited Egypt, exited slavery out of Egypt, and now they're in the desert and they're waiting for the promised land. And so this is written to a people who've experienced hundreds of years of slavery, now are free from slavery, but they're wandering through a desert and they're waiting for a promised land that God had promised to them. And I'm assuming they think their life is a little chaotic too. They're like, man, what are we going to do with all this? We have all these people, all these animals. I mean, what's supposed to be happening right now? And it's almost as if, as God is writing this book through Moses, that as he's writing it, he's telling them, it's like, I know you think things are chaotic. I know you think things are out of control. I know you're confused by a lot of things that are going on. But here, let me tell you what you should do with that. Let me tell you what you should do with the chaos that you see in your life, the chaos that you have going on in your mind. Let me tell you where you should run with the chaos that you are feeling. And so he gives this to them. He gives them Genesis and he gives it to us in the midst of the chaos of life. He gives us these words, Genesis 1.1. He says, in the beginning, God. Because we could probably camp out here all morning long but in the beginning, God. And I want to show you something. And I'm sure you've noticed, I'm sure you've heard it before, but right away we meet the very first subject introduced in all of scripture. And it's God. 
The very first subject we see is in the first four words of scripture, and it is God himself. And not only is he the main subject of scripture and of Genesis, he's the main subject of everything. He's the main character of our life. He's the main character of our existence. He's the main character of all of it. It's all about God. All of life is all about God. And some of you, some of us, we need to just sit in that and remember that this morning. Like that might be the only thing you walk away with this morning, and that would be a win. That you realize and remember that all of life is all about God. It says that he was in the beginning. So before time and life and creation began, he was. He is eternal. He is before all things. He is going to be after all things. He is an everlasting, eternal God. And this life, this scripture, your life right now is all about him. And so you want to know what that means, church? That means it's not about you. That means that this life, it's not about you. It can't be about you. It's not about your family. It's not about your friends. It's not about your career. It's not about your relationships. It's not about anything going on with you. And we're so quick to make life about us, aren't we? Like if you have kids, you know how true this is, right? Like if you have a toddler, they just make, well, I want this, I want this. Well, it's like, well, it's not about you. It's not about what you want. Because life isn't about us. So often we make these things, and they can be good things like family, friends, relationships, like work. Those are all good things. But so often we make all those things all about us and we start thinking through, man, how does this affect me? How does this decision affect me? How does uh, this world and this economy affect me? And we get so stuck in thinking that we're the main purpose for our existence. And right away in these first four words of scripture, we're confronted with that. Because guess what? It doesn't say in the beginning, you. It doesn't say in the beginning, you. It says in the beginning, God. It's not about me. This life is not about me. It's not about you. It's not about our families. It's about God. And if we can just settle in on that, if we can start viewing all of scripture, even as we jump into Revelation in the spring, that, man, this is all about God. If you can start walking through life thinking, man, this is all about God. Start thinking through, man, this decision, let's not just talk about how it impacts me. Let's talk about how it shows the world who Jesus is. When you start to realize all of life is all about God, it changes everything. So we see in the beginning, before time, before creation, there was God. An eternal God. A God who this life is all about, who your life is all about. It's all about God. Then we see, continuing on in verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Another way you can see that is that God created everything. That nothing was created without God creating it. And there's a couple different ways that you can read it. Some people read verse one as like a summary of all of this, that God created everything and this is just a summary of it. Some people believe, man, this is the first thing that God did was create the heavens and the earth. Whichever one you believe, it's not super important. What's important is that God created, that God made this, like he made earth. 
He made the world that you walk upon, the world that you live in. God made that. And not only did God make that, God made everything outside of this world. He made every star. He made every sun. He made every planet. He made every solar system. He made every galaxy. He made every universe. God made it all. He created it all from nothing. He created everything. Everything you see with your eye and everything you can't see because it's either way too big or way too small. God made it. Because this wasn't an accident. The life that we have here, it wasn't an accident. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't just chance. It was created by God himself. So whether you think that this is just a summary of what God did or if the first thing God did, it doesn't matter. What matters is that God made it. And we just need to remember, man, how big is God? How big is he that he can make not just the earth that we live in, which is huge already to us, but he can make everything else as far expanding as we could even not comprehend ourselves. Like that's how big God is. This God in the beginning that life is all about created all things. And here's the other thing. Because he created all things, that means he's in charge of all things. Because he created all things, that means he has authority over all things. Like if I made a piece of pottery, one, it would be terrible. uh, But two, like I get to decide what that piece of pottery is for. Is it going straight to the trash because it looks awful and my wife won't let me keep it? Or is it going to be a plate or a cup or a mug or a bowl? Like when you create, you have authority. So God created everything. So what does that mean God has authority over? Everything. All of life is all about God. And God is in control and over everything. He has authority over it all. Because that's how big God is. And the crazy thing is that we have a God that is that big, who created all things and is over all things. But a God who wrote to us, so that we can know him. Like how sweet is that? That the maker of the universe, the creator of everything, he also wrote to us so that we can know who he is. We can know what he is like. God created everything and he wrote to us so that we can know him. Man, that's such a beautiful truth. And so right now in Genesis 1, 1, we see God has created everything. The heavens, the earth, he's created it all. And now we're going to start focusing in on this creation account about earth itself. We get that he created all, everything outside. Now we're focusing in, this is him creating the earth. And this is how it starts. This is all how it begins. Verse two, it says, the earth was without form and void. Another way to say without form is chaos or confusion. So the earth was in chaos or confusion and void or empty. And darkness was over the face of the deep. Like that's the earth at, at the beginning of it. When God creates the earth, that's, that's how it starts. This earth that's in chaos, this earth that is in darkness, this earth that is empty. This earth that is uninhabitable by anything. 
That's where it starts. It's, and then we see at the end of verse 2, it says, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And that's kind of a weird uh, phrase, but what we see is that the Spirit of God, right away we're already seeing different parts of the Trinity, right? We got God the Father, and we got God the Spirit now hovering over the face of the deep. And what scholars would say is that the Spirit of God is preparing the earth for what is about to happen. It's almost like the earth is in anticipation, like the spirit is hovering over, preparing the ground, preparing the earth, preparing the waters for what God is about to do, for the words of God to dictate what earth is going to look like. And I think that's really cool too, because when you think about the spirit's job now, is the spirit convicts the world of sin, the spirit prepares our hearts to hear from the word of God, cultivates our heart to respond to the voice of God. And so the same work the Spirit does in us now, the Spirit was doing at the very beginning, hovering over the face of the waters. It's almost like God is writing to the Hebrew people. He's saying, hey, I know that you just left Egypt. You just left slavery. You're in the desert. You're waiting. You're wandering. You're thinking, man, life is a little chaotic right now. And then God is almost like he's saying, hey, I know you think your life is in chaos. But the whole earth was in chaos. And let me show you what I did with it. And then he says in verse 3, And God said, Let there be light. And right away, God starts to bring order to this chaotic world. Right away, God starts to bring light into this darkness. He starts to form what has been created. He starts to fill what has been formed and created here. And he starts by saying, Let there be light. And we're going to read through all of verses 3 through 25. And we're not going to get super deep into all the ins and outs of what God created, how he created it, and all the things. You might have questions about it. Like I said, take those to your connection group. Uh, listen to our equipping podcasts as uh, we go along through Genesis. But I really want us to see what God created and how he created it. I don't want us to miss that as we go through this this morning. So let's read together, uh, starting in verse 3. And God said, as he starts to create the world and form it and uh, fill it and bring order to it, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Can you imagine what that first day would have been like? It's just darkness and void, and then boom, there's light. God spoke light into existence and he called the day and he called the light day, the dark night, and it was good. Then day two, and God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven and there was evening and there was morning the second day. So we have two waters. We have waters above, waters below, and God created an expanse, the sky to separate. The waters below, the seas, the oceans, the waters above, the clouds that bring rain. And we see that God separates the two waters with air. Another fun thing to look at when you think of this is uh, if you think that, if you believe that God started creating on a Sunday, on Sunday he said, let there be light, and then it was good. 
the second day, he doesn't say that it was good, which it's like, he's already kind of establishing, hey, Mondays, yeah, be ready for Mondays. <laughs> just, just kidding, that's a joke. Like, obviously Mondays are still good. God created it, it's good. It's a gift from God. I just think it's kind of funny. Um, verse nine, day three. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together, he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And so right here at the beginning part of day three, we see God saying, hey, let the waters separate, let the waters move and let the land come up from underneath it. Let there be dry land that's called earth. Let there be waters which are called seas and oceans. And he saw that it was good. He separates water from land. And then at the back end of day three, he starts to fill this land, this dry land. And God said that the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. So on the third day, we have God creating and separating ocean and sea and land, and then start filling the land with plants and fruit bearing trees. And then day four, and God said, let, the, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heaven to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. So on day four, he creates the sun, the moon, and the stars. And you might ask like, wasn't there already light? Yes, there was light. Uh, he spoke light into existence on day one, right? And people believe different things. I can also see it as in Revelation at the end of all times, it says that there's not going to be a sun because the light of the Lord is going to fill it all. And so on day four, he creates the sun, he creates the moon, he creates the stars. And he creates it to separate days and seasons and times. Then on day five, God said, let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with each this water swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. On the fifth day, God creates water animals and he creates birds. And he starts to fill his earth with creation. He starts to fill his earth with living animals. And he continues that work on day six. It says, and God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good except for the cats. I'm, oh, sorry. That, that was just a side note I had made, I guess. Uh, sorry if you're a cat person. Uh, that's what you applaud for, really? The cats? Uh, but here, in the beginning of day six, God creates land animals. And at, later on in day six, he's going to create humans. And we'll get to that next week. 
but he starts to fill not just the sea and the air with living creatures, he starts to fill the earth. Starts to fill the earth with animals. And there's a lot that we can pull out as we read through this account of creation. There's a lot that we can see. But there's one thing that I really want us to get at. I've hinted at it a couple times already. That this isn't primarily an account so that we can defend the kind of earth that we think we have. This isn't primarily an account so that you can defend an old earth or a new earth. This isn't primarily an account so you can defend a literal seven 24-hour day creation or not. This is an account so that we can know God. Like you see that in Romans. Like if you go to Romans chapter one, in Romans one, it says this, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Creation isn't just so that we can know how and what God created. Creation is so that we can know the creator. Creation is so that we can know God. Creation is so that we can know the God who made everything. And so as we look at this section of scripture, as we look at this creation account, there's two things that I want you to see about God. There's plenty more, I'm sure, but there's two things that I really want us to walk away knowing this morning when it comes to who God is as seen through creation. And the first one is his unrivaled control and power. Like when you look at every single account, it starts like this. It said, and God said, and there was. Light, God said, let there be light, and there was. God said, let there be an expanse to separate the waters, and there was. God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered so dry land can appear, and it was. God said that the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, fruit with seed in it, and it was. God said, let there be lights in the expanse of heavens to separate the day from the night, and there was. And God said that the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly across the expanse of the heavens, and it happened. God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kind, and it was so. Do you see the control and power of God there? Fully on display saying, hey, I want this to happen, so it happens. God speaks and creation responds. What kind of control and power is that? Like, I can't even get my kids to come to the dinner table on time. And God says, hey, mountain, and there's a mountain. God said, ocean, move here, and ocean moves there. God said, this plant have this fruit, and that plant has that fruit. God says, I want stars, and there's stars. That's how big and in control God is. He speaks, and it happens. Guys, that is how big God is. Do you understand that? Do you get that? He speaks and creation responds to the words of his mouth. And part of me wonders that if he's writing this in this way to these people for a specific reason. Like my life is in chaos. We've just left hundreds of years of slavery. We're now in a desert, which kind of stinks. 
We're waiting for a promised land. Like this, this life isn't what I was envisioning. This life isn't what I thought it would be. It's confusing. It's chaotic. And God says that he created everything from nothing. And he does it with the sound of his voice saying, I am in complete control of it all. God says, I see your chaos. I know that you think it's chaotic and confusing right now, but guess what? I created everything that you see and I did it with the words of my mouth. Nothing you're going through is too big for me. Church, the same is true for you. Nothing you're going through right now is too confusing or chaotic for God. Nothing is too big for God. Nothing is beyond his reach. Nothing is beyond his control and his authority. Everything that you're experiencing right now is under the authority of a heavenly father who created it all. That's what we see in creation, that God is in control of all things. The other aspect I want you to see and walk away with this morning is he isn't just in control of all things. His creation just doesn't show his control. His creation shows his care. Like when you look at how he created and what he created, you start to see how purposeful he was in every single thing he created. How intentional he was, how many details he paid attention to when he created it. Like even looking at the plants that we see created. In verse 11, it says, And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. Like, that's the detail he just gives us as he's creating plants. He's like, there's going to be plants. Each plant will have a seed. Some plants are going to have fruit, and that fruit is going to have seed. And the purpose of that seed is so that fruit can multiply as well. Like, he's so purposeful in it. Every detail you see on this earth is because God was so careful in putting it there. So intentional in putting it there. So purposeful in putting it there. Not an inch of this earth looks the way it does without God making it so. He put so much care into the design of his creation. But that's not all that I want you to see about his care because if he cares that much about a plant, how much more do you think he cares for you? If he cares that much about a fruit having seeds, how much more do you think he cares for you? Matthew 6 would tell us that we are far more valuable than the birds of the air. Because you are far more valuable to God than the plants. And he cared about the little details of the plants and he cares about the little details of your life. We have a God who is in complete control and a God who cares immensely. Like you can even see that playing out in creation too. Like looking at verse 14 it said, and God said, let the lights, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years and let them be lights in the expanse of heaven to give light upon the earth. Like even giving the sun and the moon and the stars was to benefit us. So we could tell time so that we could know seasons so that we could know years. Like it is for our benefit, for our good, for our flourishing. Like when you look at this creation account, you see in verse 2, the earth is formless and void and in chaos. God brings order to it. And in verse 26, he creates man. 
And everything in the middle is preparing the earth he has created so that man can enjoy earth with him. He did it for us. He did it for his creation, for man, for woman. Everything that was created was because he cares for you. The air you breathe is because God cares for you. The oceans you swim in is because God cares for you. The mountains that you hike or the rolling hills you walk through are because God cares for you. The animals that you get to play with and enjoy the company with are because God cares for you. His creation shows his care for you, guys. Because we serve a God that creation shows that he is in complete control and he has so much care. That's the God that we serve. That's the God who created everything. If you pull it back a little bit, you could say it like creation shows us God's control and care. God's creation shows us God's control and care. And so what does that mean about the chaos in your life? When things seem out of order, when things seem disruptive, what does that mean? It means that you can trust it to God. Because creation has shown us that he, he's in control of it. He's in control of your chaos. He's in control of your confusion. And not only is he control, in control of it, not only does he have power over it, he has so much care for you. He cares so deeply for you. And so we can trust our chaos. We can trust our confusion to a God who cares and is in control. You could say it like this. Entrust your chaos to God's control and care. Because the same God who brought order out of a chaotic world can bring order to your chaos. He's already in control of it. And so how do we respond? There's three things I want you to do with this, that entrusting our chaos to God's control and care, three things that I think this should make us do. One, remember. Remember who God is. Remember how big he is. Remember how powerful he is. Remember how much authority he has. Remember his bigness and remember his care. Remember who he is and how he created and why he created. That he wants to know you. Remember that. And as you remember that, trust him. Trust him. If God is as big as he is and cares as much as he does, we'd be stupid not to trust him with the things in our life. We'd be foolish to not trust him with the chaos and confusion in our life because he is in control and he cares. So we remember, we trust, and this leads us to worship. Regardless of how things turn out, a lot of those Israelites who left Egypt, they never saw the promised land. But God was still in control and God still cared. And so regardless of how life turns out, regardless of how your chaos turns out, how your confusion turns out, We worship God because he is a God who is in complete control of everything and a God who cares immensely. And so we worship him. We worship him for who he is because he's worthy of all of it. Church, and if we did that, guys, we'd be a church full of a bunch of people that no matter what came at us, 
no matter what life threw at us, we'd be able to not be devastated, but we'd be people trusting in who God is because we know his control and care. When cancer strikes, we'd be able to trust God because he cares. He's in control. When unemployment hits, we trust and worship God because he is in control and he cares. When a family member goes wayward, we trust and worship God because he is in control and he cares. When everything is going bad and when everything is going good, we'd worship and trust God because he is in control and he cares. Because I want to be that kind of person. And I want you guys to be those kinds of people. Walking through life, knowing that no matter what comes your way, it might be hard, it might stink, it might be challenging, but a people who trust and worship God because he knows them, he cares about them, and he's in control of all things. And his creation shows us that. And not only does his creation show us that, the cross shows us that. That the world God had created was good and in order. And then sin, which we'll get to in a couple weeks, comes in and creates chaos out of the good order that God had created. But then God sends Jesus in the midst of sin, in the midst of the chaos caused by sin. He sends Jesus to earth. And in complete control and complete care, he sends Jesus to the cross to take over our sin. The cross shows us God's control and his care. And through Jesus, we can have order again in our chaos. Through Jesus, we can have light in our darkness. Through Jesus, we can have righteousness in place of our unrighteousness. The cross of Jesus Christ shows us God's care and his control so perfectly. Guys, God loves you. God cares about you and God is in control of everything. And as we get ready to take communion and continue in worship, that's what I want you guys to remember. That's what I want you guys dwelling on and thinking about. That God is in control, that God cares. He shows it through Jesus on the cross, which is what we remember when we take communion. And he shows it in everyday life, which we praise and worship him for. So as we get ready to do that, I want us to read... Genesis 1, 1 through 25 again. And you can read along if you want, but maybe you just need to close your eyes and listen and have it read over you. And I want you, as you're listening, I want you to pinpoint and think about and dwell on and meditate on God's goodness. I want you to meditate and think about on his control. I want you to meditate and think about on his care for you. And I want that to be what draws us into worship. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was out form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was an evening and there was morning the first day. 
And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. God called the expanse heaven and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place. Let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together, he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the water swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful, multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God, you are a good God. You are a God who creates good things. Because you created them, that's what makes them good. You're a God who is in complete control. All things bow at the sound of your voice and you're a God who cares for us. God, we don't deserve any of it, but we thank you for it. And now we worship you because of it.